Hey everyone, it's Allie and Blair, the co-founders of Fertility Rally, and we wanted to tell you about an amazing event we're hosting on Saturday, April 17th. The event is called Fertility Rally Live, an all-day virtual celebration of the infertility community for anyone and everyone building their modern families and seeking empowerment, education, support, and community. Our speakers are some of the biggest names and brightest minds in the infertility community and beyond. Our morning keynotes are Mina Starsiak-Hawk and Steve Hawk from HGTV's Good Bones. And our afternoon keynote is Jessica Zucker, PhD and author of the acclaimed memoir, I Had a Miscarriage. In addition to those two amazing keynotes, we're hosting a couples panel, a female physicians panel, and 16 breakout sessions covering everything we could squeeze into one day, including surrogacy, IVF, pregnancy after infertility, male factor infertility, donor conception, embryo adoption, recurrent pregnancy loss, and so much more. There will also be tons of giveaways all day long from fertility-friendly and wellness brands. And of course, a happy hour with a very special guest, a VIP after party, and a virtual swag bag worth hundreds of dollars. If you or someone you know is navigating infertility, you will love our event. We are here to empower and educate you and have some fun along the way, of course. Tickets are on sale now at fertilityrally.com. Head over to our IG at Fertility Rally for even more info on speakers and tickets. We can't wait to rally with you. Hi, it's Kanika, and I'm back with a brand new season of That's Total Mom Sense, where I interview parenting experts, world-renowned thought leaders, best-selling authors, and trailblazing entrepreneurs on their incredible life stories and mom sense experiences. Hi, I'm Gabby Bernstein, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. It's me, Bobby Brown, on Total Mom Sense. Can't wait to share my story. Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa, and you're listening to me on That's Total Mom Sense. Pandemic or not, these episodes will inspire you to make every single day count. Episodes release on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Join my tribe and subscribe wherever you listen so you never miss an episode. We're at a point where women need a lot more flexibility or men need flexibility. It can be on both people's plates, but the corporations and the larger corporate world has not moved beyond the nine to five. All these women are saying, listen, I need to set my own terms. I need to have my own schedule. Frankly, I value that a lot more. We actually saw this data come out of Girlboss. They value that more than money. As moms, we often wonder, am I doing enough for my kids? I'm here to tell you, you are super mama. That's because we have an undeniable superpower, our intuition, and it never steers us wrong. I call it our mom sense. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta, and I'm the host of That's Total Mom Sense. I'm a journalist, entrepreneur, wife, and mom of three, twins plus one. Now, if I had a dollar every time I heard, gee, you have your hands full, On my podcast, I interview influential moms from various industries and cover topics that all first-time parents grapple with, from getting your baby to sleep to screen time allowance, your new normal in your marriage, and how to dedicate time to yourself. Learn and laugh along with that total mom sense. So today I am so thrilled to be interviewing someone who is a friend and a champion of women. Ali Coppler-Wyatt is a veteran of the startup world, having worked in a leadership capacity at iconic lifestyle and culture-shifting companies, 
like Goop, Refinery29, and most recently launching Female Founder Collective with Rebecca Minkoff. She is a business builder, advisor to startups, and an investor in female-funded businesses. Ali was one of the first employees at Refinery29 and was tasked with building an ad and brand partnership business from scratch, subsequently assembling a world-class team that integrated custom collaboration with brands on editorial, product design, and consumer marketing. Under Wyatt's leadership, the sales team grew from a few hundred thousand in advertising revenue to well into the tens of millions of dollars in just four years securing a spot for Refinery29 on the Inc. 500 for three consecutive years. She left to become the first CRO at Goop, where she architected and launched the business in the U.S., introducing brand advertising that included a mix of native content, immersive experiences, and integrated media alongside beautifully constructed content. Staying true to her entrepreneurial spirit, she then turned to starting a company from scratch, joining forces with Nasty Gal founder Sofia Amoroso to launch a female-focused media business called Girlboss, which hosts thousands of women at cross-country rallies and galvanizes the voices of women in key life transition points in countries throughout the world. Through her journey, she has become passionate about not only supporting startups through advising, but also through investing in female-led companies as an angel investor. Past and current investments include Tia Women's Health Clinic, Humanified, Caribou, The Wonder, Good Milk, Forward Space, Somersault, Girl Boss, The Wing, Goop, Gold, iFund Women, and Hey Mama Co. She is proud to invest in women to build a better future for themselves and their families. She is now settled in California with her husband and three kids. Thank you. <laughs> it's such a pleasure. And I'm so lucky to get the chance to talk to you. Oh my gosh, it's an honor. Okay, so fun fact, I was listening to some of the podcasts you've done and you have had some Saved by the Bell cast members <laughs> at a house party. Yes, I have. Oh my gosh, was it like for a birthday surprise? This is um, the coolest thing so ever for a fan. My, my dad was in the media business, which is interesting because I never thought that I would go into what he did. I sort of rejected the idea of going into media because I wanted to carve my own path. And when we were young, he did a lot in television broadcasting. And so one of the main shows that was running on the television station um, that he had was Saved by the Bell. And so he brought them to... St. Louis, where I grew up. And I guess it was sort of an upfront. And the cast members were doing a tour across the country. And so they all came to my house. Oh my gosh. And we got to invite over a certain amount of friends. And my sister had her headgear on. And at the time, she had a back brace and was like in full acne mode. Um, I was luckily too young to hit that glorious puberty point. (laughs) Um, And so... I I was spared of that experience, but I did get to do the MC Hammer with AC Slater, which was like life changing. And my brothers got to meet Tiffany Amber Thiessen, which oh were that, like my god, they they were done. Like it was yeah, a life it's moment. like it was yeah. over. We you know like it's all been downhill from there. <laughs> okay, well I want to start from the beginning because you come from a big family too. So what was it about your childhood that kind of shaped who you are today? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I had a little bit of a vanilla childhood. It's like 
the first thing a psychologist asks is, um, <laughs> is what your childhood was like. Yeah. To sort of inform them of the deficiencies that you might have as a grown up. Um, <laughs> okay. I have lots of them. I just I don't can't pinpoint necessarily to one thing in my childhood. But I yeah, I was one of five kids. I was the fourth out of five, which I think birth order is it really impacts ultimately who you become. I think more than almost your your parents do, because that's where you fall in line and sort of the way that you see the world is through the lens of your older siblings and whatnot. But um, I had three brothers. I think probably the most indicative thing of who I've become and what shaped me the most from my childhood was that my two older brothers, they were, one of them was 16 months older than me. And the other one was three years older than me. And they would gang up on me and lock me in closets for hours at a time, pin me down. They would be chasing me around the, the yard and, So I became a fighter. I became very much, I learned how to stand up for myself as a woman, you know, in the very early days. I was also hyper competitive in the very early days because in order to get by, I had to be faster and stronger and quicker and in some ways smarter than my older brothers who were constantly trying to sort of tear me down. They're now, you know, some of my best friends and I adore my brothers. So that's a big caveat. But um, I would say that was probably the most transformative thing, along with my dad being just so supportive of me doing and being whatever I wanted. Wow, I love that. I think that's really great. Okay, and were you clear on what you wanted to pursue when you were younger? Yeah, I mean, no, I, I had no idea what I wanted to be when I was younger. I think something that I've always known is what I'm passionate about. And I've been very passionate about almost everything that I tried, I end up being like, oh, I'm now going to be a figure skater. And then the next thing would be like, I am going to be a karate champion. And the next day I was like, I want to be a professional singer. And so I would get really into things and just go really deep on my passions. And then it would fizzle out and I would move on. But I think I was also really clear on what I wasn't good at. From an early age, I was always told by my father to do what I loved and money would follow. And I feel really fortunate and blessed that he gave that advice. I always think about it when mentoring young people, but also coming out of college to have the most important man in your life tell you that was almost like a permission slip to try different things. Um, and, And so I'm lucky that I first started off in merchandising and I hated it. (laughs) I thought it was going to be like this really sexy and glamorous job where you're sitting there and you're styling products and you get to like go shopping all day, every day, and and then like sell these wares. But it was actually a lot of entering style numbers into computers that were just black and white computers. They didn't even have color. It was like the most miserable experience. And there was actually 99% science and 1% art to it. So I ended up leaving that and pursuing media also, but a little bit by accident, but I ended up just continuing to do what I loved. As long as it continued to challenge me, I would stay on that path. And if I stopped being challenged or I stopped loving it, I would go and try something else. That's great. Now, tell us a little bit about Girlboss, because you really were kind of the driving force behind that, you know? So, so girl boss was an interesting thing because Sophia wrote the book and the book was very momentous. It was very culture shifting. 
in the sense that it was all about this idea of not having to have one linear path to success and actually challenging the notion of what success is and the path that it takes to get there, right? Like she dropped out of college and she was scraping together pennies and had a part-time job and started Nasty Gal as something out of her sublet that she was <laughs> that she was renting which is i think a really beautiful story because it shows that you don't have to be privileged to find success and that mm-hmm. success can be on your terms you can do things your way so girl boss really became this idea that you can own your own life that you can really be the person that designs it in a way that feels true and authentic to you And so really, Sophia started that as a movement. Sophia started that as a conversation in the cultural vernacular that got people really excited and proud to state that they were a girl boss. Now, the question was then around, okay, how do you create that into a business? It was organic and inorganic the way that we went about it. And the organic piece was that we started these rallies and... That was that first thing we wanted to do was create a physical event that people could come and be part of and actually be the anti sort of fortune's most powerful women, which is an incredible conference. But the reality is that the people that need that most are not going to be invited into that room. So we wanted to invite the girls that were on their way, that were figuring their life out. Maybe they were just out of college. Maybe they were divorced. Maybe they were in a place where they had just gotten laid off from their job and they were sort of trying to recalibrate and figure out what does my life look like from here? That was really what the event's purpose served. And then we started creating content that did that every single day. And then ultimately a community that would connect these like-minded individuals from all over the world on the notion that they are all seeking to own their own lives. Yeah. So that's sort of the why behind it and how it came about. So cut to... When you know you met Rebecca Minka, yeah, and launched Female Founder Collective. So tell us the backstory to start. How did you two meet? Yeah, so actually we met through the way that you and I met, which is Hey Mama. Yeah, Hey Mama. By the way, you know, side plug. I am lucky enough to be an advisor for the business. I reached out to them in the very early days of having my first child when I found them on Instagram, and it was like, can I work with you? Can I figure out a way to be supportive? as you guys grow. But um, Hey Mama is this really wonderful community of working moms. I met Rebecca that way. And I happened to have been leaving Girlboss. And I saw Rebecca post in Hey Mama that she was launching Female Founder Collective, which was going to be a seal to indicate that things were women-owned. I met her in person a couple of times before that, but I reached out to her and I was like, hi, remember me? Would love to chat with you and hear a little bit more about your vision for this and what you want to do with it. Cause I have some thoughts on what I would like to do based off of my learnings of what I saw was a big hole at girl boss. So, and we had a phone call, never forget. I was actually walking through the paper source. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like getting prepped, I think for a kid's birthday party. And so I was like walking through and picking out like colorful papers and cards and everything else. And I had my whole conversation with her in paper source and like I would, the phone would cut in and out and I'm like, Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, But we had a great one, like great conversation. We were just riffing off of one another and it just flowed very easily from the beginning. 
And then another really great conversation with her and her brother, who's her business partner. Then we just like kept meeting regularly and it sort of organically evolved. Amazing. Tell us about some of like the current work you have going on. So the goal behind FFC sort of from the beginning is when I reached out to Rebecca, what I had seen a lot at Girl Boss was the fact that you have probably the, the biggest upward trend amongst women was that they were starting businesses. Yeah. Why were they starting businesses? Because corporate America has not caught up to the modern family. Right. What I mean by that is you have a dual working household. And as we've seen during the pandemic, it's just completely not tenable. You need somebody to be the primary caretaker or to be sort of holding all of the accountability when it comes to the kids, like whether they're in school or they're not in school yet, they're caretaking, getting them to the doctor's office, all the things that come with it. Right. And so I think we're at a point where women need a lot more flexibility or men need flexibility. It can be on both people's plates, but the, the corporations and the larger corporate world has not moved beyond the nine to five. Yeah. And the fact that you have to be in your desk at a certain time, or you're seen as a, is not a great employee. Yeah. So yeah. all these women are saying, listen, I need to set my own terms. I need to have my own schedule. Frankly, I value that a lot more. We actually saw this data come out of Girlboss. They value that more than money, right? Like if they can get by and have a good enough income, they would much rather have flexibility in their schedule than have like that 30% bonus that they would otherwise get. So they're starting businesses, but the challenge is that they haven't been in the vernacular. And so they're starting these businesses, but while they're incredibly talented, while they have a wealth of experience that any business would be lucky to have, they can't be experts in all things, but they also just don't know the sort of language of if they're going out to get investment, they don't necessarily know how to go out and find it or the right tree to bark up. Like that was something that was really big for us is that I saw a lot of women were going out and looking for venture capital when they should absolutely be looking for small business loans. Or they didn't know like, how should I prepare my business for getting any sort of capital? Like whether it is through small business loans, they would go and start having these conversations that we're never going to get them anywhere and sort of wasting a lot of time. So Long story short, we wanted to create a platform that would ultimately give people access to a few things. One, to one another. The other key learning is that the most important thing as a founder, and I'm sure you've seen this, mm -hmm. is having access to other founders that are in similar boats, that are like-minded, maybe have similar goals, where somebody who already has a podcast who's maybe one step ahead of you is going to be your best resource. Yeah. So getting people access to other founders by stage, by industry, by goals, by geography, in addition to the education piece. So I was talking about access to capital. A lot of it's going to start with being able to speak the language in the right way so that it's going to resonate, it's going to land, and you're going to be able to sort of close those investments, whether it is going out and getting small business loans or it's going out to a venture or angel investor. So it was equipping people with that knowledge, tapping into the wealth of knowledge coming from the collective. So tapping into people that have accounting firms or who have raised capital in the past and done it successfully, or who've gone out and gotten business loans and then bootstrapped their business from there. 
how did they go about that process? And how do we take the knowledge of people who have come before and been successful and to have that trickle down to people that are in that moment so that they can clear hurdles that otherwise they would be up against? We're actually coming out with a paid membership platform to date. Membership has been free. We've been supported by these amazing and very generous brand partners. The reality is we want to super serve our members. We want to give them more specific connections to one another. We want to give them more specific connections to capital. We want to give them much more robust and sort of high level education that they can get on demand. So like if you're looking for um, information on how to build a business plan or like a three-year profit analysis, you can come on to FFC and you can find a tutorial on that so that you're not going to YouTube and trying to figure out how on earth you're supposed to do it. You can also ask the community. So it's really this rich ecosystem that is ultimately giving people all the things they need to succeed. Wow. So now I want to go into your motherhood experience. It was during a mentor event that Hey Mama was hosting. And I remember, you know, you shared so openly about how after you had a child, it was really, really hard at the workplace for you. um, And you weren't given that acceptance, you know? And so can you just walk us through that time because, you know, I feel like so many people have been there, but don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was working for, at the time, a startup and um, working in the startup. It's hard. It's hard to give people a lot of time off because every single person counts so much. That's actually what I love about startup. And I was in a position where I was driving all the revenue for the company. I had acknowledging the fact that I was going to be going out on maternity leave or what I had expected to be maternity leave. Mm -hmm. I had gone out and hired people that ultimately would be my team on the ground doing great work while I was gone. The reality is, is I had a boss that was not very supportive. She was a mother herself, which I thought was going to directly translate into acceptance and encouragement for me becoming a mom. She had kids in their 20s that were at a totally different stage of life. And the fact of the matter is at the time that she was going through the sort of apex of her career and going through having kids, it was a very different time where it was mostly men. And if there's mostly men, then she was having to sort of completely sidebar the notion that she even had kids and almost act as though it didn't exist. Right. So that she could continue on her upward trajectory because no one else around her was a mom. Yeah. And so I think there was that sort that sort of same idea and expectation of me going through the process where it, it wasn't a very modernized approach. But I would have phone call, I would be sprinting home to go breastfeed my daughter. And and frankly, I had a lot of problems with breastfeeding. I was trying to be really good about it because I didn't have great supply and I'm running home to feed my daughter. My boss is telling me like, you need to be on this phone call. And this is 6.30 at night. Like this isn't, I'm not talking about I'm running home at 4 p.m. I was running home at 6.30 to feed my daughter and I was getting in trouble for it. (laughs) Or I was getting angry emails because I wasn't, um, the business was in Newark as well as Los Angeles because I wasn't in Los Angeles with meeting with the team there. and. I just 
I was at a point where I was like, I have no idea how this is possible for anyone. Like, I don't know how moms have done it in the past. I didn't have any other moms that I could connect with outside. And I, a mom that worked for me and she was amazing and wonderful to date. She's one of my best friends, but I didn't want to unload that on her. Mm -hmm. And it's also not something you necessarily want to share with somebody that works for you, that you're really struggling with how to manage it all. Yeah. So it was a lot of late nights crying. It was a lot of like those 1am feeds where I was just sitting there thinking like, I have to be up at 630 and like have to be at this meeting at eight. And I'm fat and I don't fit in any of my clothes and you know, yeah, all the, all the things, and, yeah. all the emotions. And I just feel like I didn't have time to breathe much less to process them or feel supported. And so mm-hmm. I sort of stifled it until I found Hey Mama and Hey Mama was like the saving grace where I was all of a sudden introduced to all of these moms who had done it successfully or had done it on their terms and said, like, I carve out I put a block on my calendar and those are hours that no matter what I am taking and your my boss is not calling me. Right. Or they were going out and starting their own businesses because their boss didn't wasn't okay with that. So yeah. it was just really wonderful to find people who had been through similar things who could give me advice on like what to do when traveling. I'll never forget and I'm sure everybody can relate to this like hauling all of your pump stuff on a plane and then like trying to figure out like, do I pump in my seat? Do I like get up and go? Cause I was doing these cross country flights. I would have to yeah. pump three times right. in the span of the flight. And so I'd be like going into the bathroom, somebody be banging on the door and yeah. it, or I'd be sitting next to a man and you're like, how do I like do that? Yeah, pump exactly. The, the locker room change without the yeah, literally. Yeah. It was just like, and I got great advice from people. And it honestly, I feel like it, it, you know, I don't want to say it saved me. I feel like that's a little bit dramatic, but like it it saved my career. You know, I think you're seeing the future of work happen before our eyes. We started FFC acknowledging that this was not a trend that was specific to two years ago. Like before the pandemic happened, we had started FFC. The pandemic happened, all these people were displaced, but now... I, th- I think you are seeing that corporations are one going to have to totally shift and change. And one yeah. thing that I think that corporates can do to better support parents and particularly mothers, because mothers have been the ones that have lost all the jobs, yeah. is that they can create care. Basically, they, they, can, they can develop care subsidies effectively yeah. <laughs> where you know they're they're helping to provide care for those key time frames and needs that uh, a parent has and particularly moms and i think the one thing that i would recommend for corporates is a lot of them are are getting to reduce their real estate budgets they're finding that you don't have to be in the office like light bulb moment in yeah. order to be impactful You don't have to be sitting at your desk at 9 a.m. to get something done. In fact, a lot of times, if a parent can like just not have to get dressed in the morning, drop their kids off quickly and come back and jump on a call, they're going to be a lot more effective or like get that thing out the door than like having to like get dressed every morning, shower, like get your makeup on, like get ready to go to work. Yeah. It takes a lot of time. And a lot of times the commute is long. So the thing that I would say there is take those budgets that, you have decreased due to the lease and put it towards providing people with more support in terms of childcare in, ter- in terms of they should be paying for mom's milk to be sent. 
their yes. milk stork is a, a great tool that um that I used when I was at Girl Boss and having to travel across the country and add my second, I would ship my milk. Yeah. But but I would do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know because it's and yeah, with the travel expensive. bands and stuff, it's hard to, to yeah, was exactly hundred dollars for me to send across the country. It's like the the cost that I'm having to incur personally. Right. So things like that. I think the other thing is that this let's hold on to the fact and and actually look at the stats around productivity, even though people are working remotely. Right. I think working remotely will continue to serve parents, particularly moms. That flexibility that we were talking about earlier is so key yeah. and it's not going to impact their their output. In fact, like I've seen output increase because yes. people are like determining when am I going to be most productive to work? And like people can go work from the beach if they want to work from the beach. Like great power to them. They should be there. If they're getting their work done, they can work from anywhere in the world. They could be exactly involved. I don't exactly care. exactly as long as they're accountable. Right. And right. I think that this is a lesson that corporates have had to be taught. And they're like, oh, this is, this is nice. Like, yeah, you know, save on those overheads. And I think it's, it's sort of shifting the perspective on the hours people have to be in the office. I think it's shifting the perspective on, you know, allowing people to not have to take those work trips. Work trips right. for moms are frankly, hell on earth. Yes. They're either, they're either heaven because you like need that night away where you can get some sleep and <laughs> not yeah. have a right. <laughs> right. But if you're um, pumping or something and you have a newborn, yeah, it's, it's just, just it's the worst time. Not to have to leave. So yeah. I think those are some really key lessons that we can take away. And, um, and then finally, I think it's women can start their own businesses more and more and they can create their own schedules. They should really hone in on what is their expertise. How can they create a business around that, package it and be a service business? And then you can help more than one company. You don't have to sit there and work for the man or the woman. Yeah. <laughs> you you can you can choose your clients and have it be a healthy environment where you like the people that you are working for and with. Absolutely. So tell us now about a mom sense moment that you've had. I guess my my kid's school uh, that we recently put her into, it's so tough because ultimately, more importantly than like what they're actually learning, you want to put your kid in a place that's going to keep them young, that's going to keep them kind or make yes. them kind, that's yes. going to help steer their values. And this is where they're spending the bulk of their waking hours, yeah. right? Not with mm-hmm. you anymore. It's at their school. It's with their peer set. So I think school is, really, really important for, for the kids. And, you know, I think it was mom sense and dad sense, but we went through a lot of processes with a lot of different schools. And ultimately um, we had to make a call because in Los Angeles, what they do is they make you first choice something. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of like early decision. (laughs) No first choice, a place like you're, you're not going to get in. So you can first choice a place and still not get in. So that was a little bit. Yeah. Um, so had to use sort of mom sense to get a sense of whether or not we would get into our first choice place, but it it was a hard decision to make the our first choice because everything came across on paper like so wonderfully. And ultimately we we chose this school that has just been phenomenal for us and for our community and for our daughter. Our daughter is just thriving and is as happy as she could be. And even though they were on Zoom until like a month and a half ago. 
she has forged this incredible group of friends that comes from wonderful families. And it's been honestly the biggest blessing for us. So I had to sort of go to my gut and say, what's the right place for her? Wow. I'm so happy for you. That's great. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Is there a quote that you live by? Shy girls get nothing. My husband says shy boys get nothing, but shy girls get nothing um, is a big quote that I live by because, you know, I grew up in the Midwest and in the Midwest, it's a very much a place where you, you're a little bit more passive and Mm -hmm. it's better to be polite than to be pushy. And you sort of learn these values from a very early age. And I was very much the person that would be late for a flight. And if I just like asked the person in front of me, if I could go in front of them, I would make it, but I wouldn't even ask because I was like, that's so inappropriate and impolite. (laughs) And, And then I met my husband over, let's say 12 years ago now. And he taught me shy boys or my case, girls get nothing. And he was just so bold in going and asking for things and not in a way that was pushy. It was just like, Hey, this would really help me. Can I go in front of you? I'm going to miss my flight otherwise. Yeah. Or, you know, he would, we would go to, you know, we'd be checking in onto a plane. There's a lot of plane examples because we were always on planes (laughs) in our relationship. And he would go to the front and say, Hey, do you have any first class available? Right. You know, if you don't ask, you won't get it. You know, 50% of the time he'd get it. Or he'd be like, when we were checking into a hotel, how about like a suite? Like, do you have any upgrades? you could give <laughs> right right and you know it's just it was so important in teaching me like they're just it's, it takes you two seconds to ask yeah and yeah. if you don't ask for it you'll never get it exactly and probably 50 percent of the time you will so why yeah. not why not yep absolutely i love that it's now time for mom hall when we share products we love is there a like product or any kind of lifesaver that you've found during this time for our mom hall section that you can share? I mean, I feel like this is like so 101 or, and like probably very trite, but Peloton for me yeah. has been <laughs> like my go-to, you know, like those classes that people probably used to spend money on um, or even like any machinery or equipment that you have at your house. I just feel like Peloton has been, it feels community oriented and it's really done an incredible job of allowing me flexibility. Mm -hmm. It's like, I can do it for 20 minutes in the afternoon. Like if my kids are watching TV for a sec and my baby's sleeping, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to go jump in the Peloton. Right. Um, So, and it has meditation, has like yoga, it has something for everybody, which is amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. And lastly, where can we find you? So the Female Founder Collective is our um, is our company's hashtag or our company's handle. And then I'm Allie K Wyatt Seven, <laughs> um, and Allie is spelled A L I. Um, and then you can find me by my name Allison Coppler, which is my maiden name spelled so with a K, on LinkedIn. And you can find me on Clubhouse now too. And we have a, an FFC club on Clubhouse as well. So everybody should come and join. Amazing, amazing. Um, 
yeah, I, I encourage you to, to follow Ali and I'm sure you learned so much from our discussion today and you're yearning to be part of anything that she's building. Um, but thank you so much for this, Ali. Thank you. It's been <laughs> such a pleasure. And I'm so lucky to get the chance to talk to you. Your joy shines through. Oh, Even you. though you've got so much going on, you make I mean, it graceful and, and easy. If you're female or female presenting, definitely join the Female Founder Collective. It is such a wonderful, supportive community. And I'm so glad that they're up leveling the business and making sure that all of the entrepreneurs are served in an even more intentional way. You can follow me for updates on my Instagram at Kanika Chada Gupta and log on to my website, that's totalmomsense.com, where you can browse my blogs and videos and read even more about my guests in the show notes. Send me an email at that's totalmomsense at gmail.com if you want to chat or say hi, or send me some show topics. I love hearing from you. Thanks again for being in my tribe. Always trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you next time. That's total mom sense.